Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, I sit down with David Muhlenstein and John Michael Weber to talk about life, real estate, Bitcoin, of course, book writing, kids, our future, everything. David wrote a book called It's Time, A Beginner's Guide to Freedom. This book is incredible. He is too humble about this book. It's basically a summary of, of all things around money, thinking, our school system. Basically, it's the perfect book if you are stuck in a rut, let me say it that way. If you're stuck in a rut and you just need to get out of where you're at, this book is a great tool to get you thinking differently about life. He summarizes so much here so clearly. I'm just kind of blown away. So I just, I'm a huge fan of the book. And if you have children, maybe in their mid-teens, late teens, it's it's or even early teens, I guess, teenagers, it is the perfect book to hand to them to get them thinking about all things around how they're going to afford their lives, how to think about life. It, it does a great job of comparing what most people do in their lives around school and work and money and thinking around freedom and the things that perhaps we should all be doing instead. Just a, It's an absolutely great read. You can find it on Amazon. It's called It's Time. So I-T apostrophe S, It's Time, A Beginner's Guide to Freedom. David Muhlenstein will link out to Amazon in the show notes of this episode. And uh, he's also a realtor out in Listowel. I hope I'm pronouncing that properly. I had to look it up. It's just northwest of Kitchener. Um, he's at a brokerage called Kempston and Worth. You can find him there. I'm going to hand out his email address because I really wanted to make sure I do that. His email address is David. Dave, sorry, Dave Muhlenstein at gmail.com. So if you want to reach out to him because you're in that area and you want to chat real estate or whatever it is, you can reach him at Dave Muhlenstein at gmail.com. You can also um, find John Michael Weber. He is the owner of a business called Superior Memorials. This is a fourth generation business where they make memorials for um, cities all over the province, the locations are in Kitchener, Cambridge, Goderich, Guelph, Harriston, Listowel, Stratford, Woodstock. So they're everywhere. So if you're looking for a memorial for someone in your family, um, these uh, these guys have been in the business a long time. I can tell from what just the pictures that I've seen over the years on his website. They do a, a fantastic job about, of creating a story with the memorial. So you can check out him at superiormemorials.com. We'll also link out to that. And we just have a great chat about all these things. I love it when we get to sit down with people who we think the same way and get to share some of our own revelations and our own rabbit hole moments, whether it came to life, real estate, whatever it may be. So two absolutely great guys. And although they have different last names, they are biological brothers. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll let them explain the great story of how that all came to be at the beginning of this particular podcast. And John Michael Weber has been a Rockstar Inner Circle member for over a decade, thanks to his brother, David, who printed off one of our books and shared it with him. And uh, we're just grateful that he would do that. And uh, they've supported us for this long over the years. So we're very thankful for that. And uh, if you want to listen in on some of the strategies that we're using with investors, just, just like John Michael Weber, you can learn everything from us at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's where we post all our videos. We have all our reports, free digital copies of our books. You can get it all from us there. So that's www.rockstarinnercircle.com. Or you can grab our app. And the app is available through the URL, ylytapp.com. So that's ylytapp.com. Or if you search in the app store on Google or on um, Apple, you can find Your Life, Your Terms app by just typing in Your Life, Your Terms, and you'll find it on the app store that way. That's it with this intro. 
Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Dave. Dave, pronounce your last name for me. Muhlenstein. Muhlenstein. The background of Muhlenstein is? Dutch. Dutch. Dave Muhlenstein and John Michael Weber. Weber, am I saying Weber properly? That's correct. So these are two biological brothers with different last names. <laughs> so let's just take that right off the table to begin with. How do we have two biological brothers with different last names? One of you share the story. Well, John Michael was uh, born to our parents a little early and- Come closer into was the it, He was adopted. Tilt it up uh, if that helps, tilt it up a little bit. There you go. There oh go. yeah, there you go. And uh, 30 some years later, we tracked him down and, and met and uh, became one big happy family again. And uh, we have incredible interests and similar so interests. Did, did you know well. John Michael existed and there was another sibling in the family? Not until we were in our teens, I'd say, then our parents let us know that- yeah, I think I was about 13 when I saw a picture from Anna, our mom. Wow, because this is now your, your, the parents who adopted you showed you this picture? Yes, yes. Wow, everybody gets seemed to have got along so well here. This yeah. doesn't sound like a typical story that I would see on like, like we mentioned earlier on Oprah or Jerry Springer or <laughs> yeah. something like that, where everybody's uh, kind of, no, this is. It's so a great you, story. So yeah. you saw this picture and your, your, your adopt, how do, what, what, what do I call your parents? Your parents who adopted you? Yeah. They show you this picture out of um, something they wanted to make sure you knew? Like, what was the yeah. impetus to share that? Well, and our mom sent the picture. My adopted mom, Donna Weber, she showed me the picture, let me know the story and what was happening. And at that point, I was too young to be able to handle that, said, no, I don't want to deal with this, don't want anything to do with it. And then years went by. And uh, so then when Anna was turning 50, Herb called me and said introduced himself as to who he was, and I knew who he was. And uh, I said, well, we, we don't want to bother you, but we'd just love to meet you. And it turns 50. Can we meet sometime? I said, sure, where do you want to meet? Which threw him off. He didn't expect such a <laughs> easy answer. And uh, so we met, and we've been, that was 16 years ago, and we've been best of friends and brothers and family ever since. So, so. And they got to know my adopted parents, the Weavers. Uh, so it's been a really good story. You don't see too many... It doesn't happen this way all the time. I don't time. think I've heard of one. We're very fortunate, yeah. Yeah. This is freaky. And then you go on <laughs> trips together and everybody gets along. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah we have a lot in common. Yeah, so cool. Congrats on this whole, just this story, guys. It's ridiculously cool. No, seriously. <laughs> yeah. I, and I've been meaning to ask this a long time because we've been trading emails back and forth and I always see the different last names. And I think I asked Mike, I'm pointing in our office to Mike DeZormo over here. And I was, I was, I was asking Mike, I don't know if Mike shared, did Mike, does Mike know this story? I don't think he does. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Cause I think we were all questioning it. Um, and you can be somewhat private, John Michael. Mm -hmm. So I'm very surprised you're here on this podcast today. <laughs> I think it was well, Dave. That's all I got for today. That's Dave, your brother pulling you, uh, pulling you on this thing. So, and then, um, yeah, and John Michael, we cross paths because you go down the real estate path and we cross paths. And I'll get to that in, 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 in one second. And then Dave, I don't even know how we've crossed paths. I think we just started emailing each other or something. Yeah. And, and you had this awesome book. Um, so can you tell us just a little bit about your story? Like, how do you get to the point 
where you write a book called It's Time, A Beginner's Guide to Freedom. Like, and, and the opening passage of the book is about Braveheart, also my freaking favorite movie ever. When he calls out freedom, this is such an old movie right now, um, but I feel like it, you know, um, it, it's, it's the best movie ever. Yeah. Um, so uh, how do you get to the point in life where you're writing a book called It's Time, A Beginner's Guide to Freedom? Take us, take us here. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I think I started really, I uh, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, I think like we all have. And, and uh, that opened my eyes to some things. And then I got in, into some personal real estate myself, some investment properties. Where? Uh, in Ontario? Here? In Listowel, in my hometown. Um, and then that actually led me to you guys uh, many years ago. So before you were a rock star um, and you had your Income for Life book. Oh, wow. Was okay. out. I was yeah. one of the f- wow. first that would have okay. downloaded that. So. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. And that kind of, I got, you know, kind of following along on the things you did and your, your, I signed up for your email newsletters and those things many years ago. Uh, and then just kind of, it snowballed from there. But, but so you go through school, you go to school, you go to high school, do you go to college or university afterwards? Yeah. I went to college in Ottawa, uh, marketing well, that's diploma. That's why you're a Sens fan. That's why I'm a oh Sens fan. Oh my God. Jesus, I was just saying, Habs fans, you know, like I really, it's a little bit of animosity, real animosity, even though there's been Habs fans here. Sens fans, I just feel a little bit of sympathy, you know, just a little bit of sympathy. Yeah, we feel sorry for Uh, Leaf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know people feel sorry for Leaf fans too, but listen, I don't because we're Leaf fans and we're the best. So I just feel sympathy for Sens. You should. JM's nodding here because we're both Leaf fans, but that's how you became a Sens fan. Okay, That's why, yes. Actually, I worked for the Senators for a little while. We did a project through school. Oh, yeah. I have some allegiance to them. Oh, here we go. Yes, because they paid you some money. Forget (laughs) it. Are they still paying you any money now? Cut the ties, man. It's crossed my mind. (laughs) Listen, we are winning the Stanley Cup this year, and we're going to have a parade. So I know there's some COVID limitations around what this parade is going to be, but it'll just mean the parade goes, I've, I've mapped it out. Yeah. It starts downtown Toronto. <laughs> and because we have to spread, spread out two meters each or whatever it is these days, we have to take the parade and we have to all line up through Montreal. So we'll all, we'll take the parade <laughs> through Montreal and then it'll end up in Vancouver because yeah. we'll go right across the, the country because we have to spread out and there's so many Leaf fans well, that's how long it'll be for the parade. Right. And it'll be a one-month parade. But there'll be a big asterisk beside the Leafs' name when they win the Cup this year. Oh, yeah. It's not a true season. No, so. no, I know, I know. And we won't care. Yeah. That's the thing. I know uh, every other fan, and we won't care. And yeah. trust me, when the Leafs win the Cup, if you think Leafs fans are obnoxious now, whoa. <laughs> yeah, we'll <laughs> brag about it forever. Oh, oh gosh. Oh. That's what's often said. It's not <laughs> the Leafs, it's their fans. The man, oh, so exactly. Oh, yeah, no, no. Habs fans and yeah. Sens fans should be shaking in their boots for when the Leafs win <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah. So you were working for them for a little bit, yeah, in marketing through school, yeah, oh, through cool. school. So we did a project with them, and, and then, uh, uh, yeah, finished there. I got a job in in Toronto for a market research company. I was at Young and Bloor for a few years. Uh, that was really my education, I think, working for that company as opposed to what I learned in school. Uh, and then my 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 girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, um, we decided we didn't want to stay in the city, so we moved on back home to our our small town, and I got involved with my family tire business and, and uh, we started working with my dad and then my brother, my other brother, Steve, eventually uh, came on board. And so the three of us were in the tire company for a number of years. And I just recently got out of that and into real estate. So And now you have your real estate license and you're Correct. a licensed realtor based out of same town. Out of Listwell, yes. Out of Listwell. Yeah. Um, and then rental properties, has that been your thing kind of? Yeah. So over those 20 years or so, I was accumulating properties and it was funny. That's one of the first things that we had in common because Jam had also been uh, involved in that. So 
uh, you know, it took a, a big interest in that. And, and that kind of ties back to the book where I, I realized, man, I did a lot of things wrong when I was young. I, I missed a lot of stuff and, and no one taught me these things. They didn't come from school. Uh, you know, my parents, God bless them, were hard workers and did everything they could. We had a great family and a great upbringing, but they didn't know a lot of these things either. And, and so that was really what motivated me. And then as I, you know, you get kind of going on the, the book pattern and uh, you go from real estate into that typically leads into more economics and then into more macroeconomics, which starts to flow into politics. And you really start, you know, your scope expands quite a bit uh, for the things you read. I notice uh, the sovereign individual books like that. You get into those types of things and even some of uh, uh, some more philosophical readings. Uh, and as I'm going through this stuff, and I, repeatedly my mind is blown on these things I didn't know. And I thought, I, I need to document this stuff for my, my own kids, for my sons. So I, I just started taking notes and kind of keeping track of some things. And eventually it was, there was enough material there. And I thought, well, to present this to them, I may as well put it in some sort of chapter format or a book format for, just for my, my own kids. Uh, and eventually I had enough material. And I thought, well, you know, you can, you can do some self-publishing with Amazon. So I'll give it a shot. So it's a that's, great, that's it's a really, from. it's a great book. Seriously, there's a lot of books that I think do deep dives on very specific subjects. And then there's a lot of books that are written by, I want to call like academic professors that talk about business or something at such a level that nothing is applicable. You know, there's a lot of business books I've read over the years where it's like you read all this theory, but you can tell the person writing it never really started a business themselves. (laughs) And they just talk about like this weird concepts. But your book is covers a lot of ground and it's written by someone who's done stuff and you can tell from the book. Yeah. So I, I'm just I'm just curious. How did you in, in your book you start off with freedom? Wh- why do you talk like why do you start with that topic specifically? Like why do you because this is a big part of the start of the book and throughout the whole book. Yeah. Wh- where does this come from? Is this a frustration with your your life, the current system, what you want for people? Why is this such a big topic in your book? Yeah. I mean, all of the above. Uh, it really comes from trading your time for money. You know, and that's, a, you know, lots of authors have, have spoke to that. And, and I think, uh, you know, the realization that that's what I had been doing for a long time and that there were other ways and, and you know, that you get trapped. Even when I was in, in I had my own tire business, um, you know, you still felt obligated to be there 10, 12 hours a day. And, and you know how that goes. And, and um, you know, you just really don't have that level of freedom that I feel like we all should have. And I feel like if you start early enough, and learn to invest properly and learn the difference between assets and, and savings and, and learn about inflation and those types of things, um, you can really get ahead of, of those things and, and not have to trade your time for dollars every day just to make ends meet. Uh, so that was kind of my hope for my kids is that they understand that when they're in their teens as opposed to in their 30s like I was when I figured it out. Uh, and then that that'll, should give them a little more path to, to freedom, to, have, to control their time. Because when you understand the system, I feel like, I think some people don't like this specific term, but I think you can front run it. Like, I mean, like when you understand what the central bankers are going to do and what inflation is all about and how the money system works, like, oh, okay, this is how this game works. Yeah. I feel like I can front run this freaking game. Yeah. And I know that, I don't know if that sounds good or not, but for your family, when you're trying to create freedom for, for your family, you just need to understand the rules. And uh, I think that uh, through real real estate's like one of the vehicles that allows you to front run the whole game. Mm -hmm. And we can all argue whether real estate's good or not good. And, you know, affordability now is a problem, let's face it, in this area. Like so and some people will point to investors 
and say, oh my gosh, you guys are the cause of the problem. And to educate someone on, well, listen, that's not the case. It's like such a, you know, it's such a task to be able to, you know, so much information to share. Yeah. So I can just point them to your book. It's perfect. You <laughs> save me a lot. But listen, how did you, I got to know, in your book, you talk about the book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Yeah. Why the heck did you read the, the when I wrote The Creature, when I, when, when I wrote, no, I didn't write that. When I read The Creature from Jekyll Island, it was mind blowing to me because I finally felt somebody had laid out how the system was created with the Federal Reserve back in 1913, mm -hmm. and it just blew my mind. And I remember telling my wife as I'm reading this book, because it's thick. Mm -hmm. I forget how many pages it's a it beast. is. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a big one. Yeah, yeah like 600 pages yeah. maybe, something yeah. like that. And I remember... I read it and I was cursing you for making me read it. <laughs> yeah, oh, good. I love that. That kind of cursing, I'm very happy. <laughs> yeah. when, I get, when I frustrate someone to that, to that level, I'm happy. Because I remember reading the book and I was turning the page and I was turning to my wife because I'm reading them at night. I think we just had my son at that point. Maybe my daughter was just born. And I remember saying, this is amazing, Carol. Like, And she's like, well, what are you reading about? Well, I'm reading about how the money system started mm -hmm. and how there's these wars that are breaking out and the bankers are involved in this and that. And she's like, just looks at me like, oh my gosh, this is <laughs> yeah. like, what, what exactly yeah. is going on in this book? But she's always been supportive. Yeah. Um, so how did, you, how did you get to that book? Uh, it was the same. It was many years ago now that I read it and it was just kind of following that book path through economics and through, uh, you know, politics, and really that one came up. Uh, and that was a, a very much a light bulb moment for me, too. I, when I read that book, I was like, the whole system's rigged. It's, it's fixed. I didn't know that. I thought the government was on our side. And, you know, the way that things are run, it's, it's different. So that, you know, really spurred me on to, okay, I got to dig deep into everything now. And, and the more I can invest, the more real estate I can buy, the more investment properties I can pick up, the better. Uh, so that was a, a big book for me. And that's why I've, I recommend it, because I think it's important for lots of people to read. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's after I read that book, I'm like, why do we have a central bank anywhere, a Bank of Canada? Why? Like if us three here got together and started a country, why would we outsource the creation of the currency for our country mm -hmm. to another organization? <laughs> like wouldn't our treasury or our finance department, whatever we want to call it, be like the one to issue the currency as needed and forgive it if we were going to forgive our own debts or whatever why is there this like entity yeah. out there that has these appointed individuals that do this stuff that seem to coordinate with other banks around the world mm -hmm. it's just, it was so mind-blowing to me because if, if us three here started our own country we would never do that yeah. it would be like starting our own business if john michael dave and, and myself and nick will pull a nick if Nick, uh, start, if we started our own business, we wouldn't say, okay, we're going to start a business, but we're not going to control the finances. We will outsource that to this guy down on the corner over there. Like it doesn't yeah. make sense, no. but nobody questions it. Like no one questions it. We just talk about like, what's the Bank of Canada going to do yeah. instead of like, why the heck do we have a Bank of Canada? Why are they in charge? Yeah. Why are they in yeah. charge yeah. with the biggest decisions in all our lives? They're controlling the cost of money. Like yeah. it's so crazy. Mm -hmm. So, and okay, another part of a, a book, and we can move on to some other topics and stuff, but I just love this book, is the life stages. Yeah. Um, is there one life stage, because uh, you do a good job. What, what you do here in the book is you talk about what the herd is doing in their 20s and what you should be doing and what the herd is doing in their 30s and what you should be doing. And you go all the way through to the 80s and it gets, <laughs> some of it gets scary. And then you go through adolescence and you do that in adolescence. And I thought that was such a unique way to break out hey, here's what everybody else is doing. Here's what you probably should be doing instead. Mm -hmm. So it was a nice, simple way to do that. Do you have any takeaways from that that really stood out or why did you break it out like that? 
Well, I, part of it is that that was my own path. I took the wrong the wrong path. I, t- I did what everybody else was doing. I went went to school because that's what you're supposed to do. And I had student debt and did everything that everybody else was doing. And it was only until later that I realized that I there was a better way. Uh, and then, you know, I think being a business and having even having uh, employees and, and friends and, and just we were talking on the way down, um, you know, people that are in those later stages of life and are really struggling right now, you know, and, and really don't have a lot of uh, retirement safety or, or that type of thing. And that's that's alarming to me. That's I'm concerned for that. There's a large group of Canadians that are in that position. And, and so those are all things that were kind of come through my mind as I was putting the book together. And, you know, really, you know, I'm okay. I'm prepared to, to fight that struggle for myself and my wife, but I want my kids to be in a better position and not have to to do that. So uh, that's why I tried to outline, you know, really, here's what they're going to try and tell you to do as you're growing up, and here's what you should be doing, and here's how, the steps that you can start taking that will get you a little further down the road. And now both our kids are asking questions. Like, what does def- deflation mean? What does inflation mean? <laughs> you know, so my son's 18, and he's read Dave's book, and he's asking those kinds of questions. How huge is that? Can you imagine asking that question, what is de- Never mind inflation. Deflation, I feel, is like... Once you start talking about deflation, you're like, okay, you're advanced already just to even ask the question, yeah. which is a complicated answer here. But uh, that's how that's amazing. And so um, I, I think my, my son's going to work with us this summer. I feel like I'm going to give him this book and tell him he has to write me like a book report or give me the top 10 because um, I have no shame. Like I will pay my children to read. Like I, I don't care. I want the information in their brain. I, and I know some people are like, that's not a good way to motivate someone. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I want the information in their brain. Yeah. I will pay them to read the freaking book right? yeah. because he's 18. He's turning 19. But I think we've had yeah this discussion. Mm-hmm. So when he gets here, um, I have a, bu- a bunch. He doesn't know this yet, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a bunch of books um, and yours is going to be on the list. And, it, and the good. reason for, for it is just um, the life stages because mm-hmm. I, I, I really feel like um, if they, you put it in your book, they need to start their reading career. Like mm-hmm. you need to start your reading career. And mm-hmm. you've outlined that, that that's a necessity. Uh, John Michael, how did that start for your, did you just ask your son to read it? He was willingly taking the book. <clears throat> I guess he, he was written by his uncle. So that helped. Yeah. Well, he started reading me, you know, he's seen my bookshelf and he's seen what I do. And we've talked real estate, we've talked investment, we've talked Bitcoin, et cetera. So he's started reading a lot in the last year and it's, it's good to see when you go into your son's room and you see like three or four books off of my shelf in his room. No way. That he awesome. took without me asking. And then Dave's book, you know, I, I promoted it to him. And it's really good. But he read that right away in like a week. He was, and, and he likes it and understands it. And wow, yeah, it's, it's great for your kids, our kids, everybody to read that. And like you said, it jump starts the game. They so start to learn early. I want to circle back to your story on these on these points, Dave. Just to go through the rest of the, this book here, what do you think when you tell somebody like uh, that you made the wrong choices? Did you really make the wrong choices? Like you went to school, you worked for the Sands through school, <laughs> and no, but I mean, then you worked downtown Toronto. Like, mm-hmm. really, are we just sometimes too hard on ourselves? Did you really make the wrong choices? Like, you seem to be doing well for yourself, and you know, you have some freedom. You have your real estate license now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Are things that bad? Because that's sometimes like. Because I get, I freak out. Like I will freak out and say, oh my gosh, everybody needs to know this shit. Everybody <laughs> needs to know. We are getting scammed. We're getting screwed. Everybody needs to know it. But then 
at other times, you know, we live in Canada. Is real life really that bad? Mm-hmm. When you hear me say that, what, what comes to mind? That's a fair, very fair point. And, and I don't mean it to sound that way that I, you know, that I had a, a, a really rough go. But on the other hand, uh, you know, I, I had to work hard at it. And that, that was, I was fortunate that my parents were, uh, my dad had an incredible work ethic. He started his own business from scratch and, and I learned from him. And I learned that you need, you, you know, you got to look after yourself and you got to work hard. Uh, so that's essentially the way I went through, you know, sort of my adolescence and my more in my my twenties, uh, and then I realized, you know, there's some things we're missing out on. We're not, I, I'm killing myself to get to just to kind of keep above water uh, at that stage, and I and that's when I thought there's there's better ways. And and I think as as we're going forward, and inflation is really getting crazy in the last few years. I think that that's where you're seeing people start to fall underwater, and they're they're killing themselves, and they're working hard for paychecks. And they're not gaining, and they're, and they losing, they're losing it. ground, and they don't even realize it exactly. That's the part that bothers me. That's that's what really bothers me. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's when I think back. Our our mom works with us here. I haven't introduced you yet, but she's in this office right behind you over there. And uh, I just think of like, you know, our, our our mom. There was hard times in our family where they uh, our mom had to work night shift jobs unexpectedly to have enough money for our family when um, you know. That was like in the 1980s, kind of during that time. And then our, our father really had a rough go at his business, then started flipping real estate. And we almost, you know, that was just a struggle financially. And then to see my parents' savings, and they're not big investors, right? Like they don't like, okay, I have some money here. I'm going to, what am I going to invest in? Some value or growth company? Like mm-hmm. it's not really there. You know, they just save money. And then to see their savings just get whittled away year over year and then decade after decade where some of the savings that they've had is really not worth very much bothers me because those savings are a reflection on my parents' time and labor. Mm-hmm. It's stored energy from their time and labor. Mm-hmm. And I just feel that irks me because Dave, to your point and what you're getting across in this book is, I, and I think it really hit home for me when I used to go to Europe every summer. I'm like, wait a second here. These people over here don't have mortgages because the houses have been passed on through generations. They live in villages. Like I'm talking the outskirts of Croatia, right? Not in the, in the city. They live in villages. The, the homes are passed on from family to family to family. They don't have like this big mortgage over their head. And it seems like the village takes care of itself. And the older people don't seem to have any worries and they can actually share some wisdom. Like you would r- run into some of the older people there and they would talk about like how to farm this and how to take care of these animals. And, and there was almost like a generational passing on of wisdom and they had the time to do it. Then you would come back to North America and everyone's running around like a chicken with their head cut off <laughs> and you're, no one's talking to anybody mm-hmm. and I'm too busy to talk to you. Sorry, I got to run and do this stuff. And I'm like, wait a second, I just traveled on a plane eight hours and life is so different over there. And it has its problems. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to say it's a, many people from over there came over here. I'm not yeah. saying that it's perfect over there. I just, mm-hmm. meant, I just mean there's like a way of life that doesn't seem to be existing here at all. And part of the reason is the fundamental problem of the money system. And that's what bothers me. Mm-hmm. So I love it when, mm-hmm. uh, when you've identified that in your book because it's just another place for people to get that message. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what, what, what else? What, what's like your favorite? There was something else I wrote down about this book. You put school doesn't matter. That's what I liked. Yeah, school yeah. doesn't matter. And, and then why, why, did you write, why, why did you write school doesn't matter? Uh, you know, there's, today there's so much information out there. You can get a complete uh, Bitcoin education, which we're going to think get into in a bit, uh, on Twitter. You know, you can learn so much online, on the Internet, uh, through social media, if you follow the right people and are invested and, and read the right books, 
you know, you can get a complete education. You can just about get an MBA for free online. Uh, so that old mantra of go to school, get a, get a good education, get a good job, you know, work for a living, I don't think it applies anymore. And I think it really um, is misleading for young people. And I think it's kind of the default uh, thing that, that people are still teaching and the parents are still telling their kids because they don't know any different. Uh, and that was kind of why I wanted to point that out. I mean, some of the some of the more successful and smarter people I know are not well-educated. Same. Yeah. And then some of the most well-educated people I know are still struggling to get a job or, or have a, a fairly mediocre job, you know? Yeah, you were much nicer than me. The first word that came to my mind was stupid. You, I, 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 you were, I, I was thinking, when you said that, I know that's mean, but that's the first... Yeah, when you said some of the most well-educated people I know are still... What came to mind to me was stupid. <laughs> but there's many beautiful, well-educated people. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. But uh, but we all know those people as well. <laughs> and I think, you know, I just like I, I explained in the book, I mean... It, Years ago, there was some merit to it. You had to go to school to, to read from these books that weren't readily available and to learn from people that could teach that material. Um, and so there was some, it was valid to have to save up your money and go away to school and, and you, you had a, a good outcome because of that. But I don't think that's the case anymore. And information is so abundant everywhere now uh, that why do you need to spend outrageous tuition fees, which are climbing like crazy with inflation as well, uh, to, to learn information that you can get online i feel that the, be the better skills to teach younger people are information retrieval like if i yeah. meet somebody here and they're like oh i don't know how to do this i'm like well how many sources did you go and like google up to did you how many videos did you watch and how many things did yeah. you check out to learn that really quick and they're like oh i didn't i didn't do that yet and my mind blows i'm like <laughs> no like well i don't know just google it up in three seconds you're going to find out whatever you're it's so, so easy now. Yeah. yeah it's so yeah. easy so to me it's almost like the information itself has lost its value but the ability for you yeah. to gather it to know where to look to retrieve it and then apply it yeah the value of that has increased because your speed at doing that for my children, your children, I really feel is going to differentiate them. Yeah. Because if you can gather the information you need when you hit a problem quickly, mm -hmm. and, and the, the the amount of effort you do around that, you know, we work with real estate investors, obviously, and someone will call me and say, oh, I got this like big problem. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, that's a problem. What are like, what are the 10 things you've done? Because this is like, this problem happened last week. And like, oh, like I haven't done anything yet. Yeah. And my Nick and I both just will completely lose it. We're like, <laughs> wait a second, this thing happened 10 days ago and you've done nothing yet? We would call three lawyers, two mortgage brokers, a paralegal, like your two friends that are in real estate. Like this is all about now information gathering yeah. and then planning an attack on how you're yeah. gonna solve the problem. Yeah. So the speed of where you need to act in today's world is also increased. So that's an valuable skill that I feel people need as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm with you on school. And, and the last question, and we can kind of move on, but I like this that you put, it's all up to you. What did yeah. you mean about that in the book when you wrote, it's all up to you? I think I've, I've, I see people that are too dependent, kind of like what you're just describing. They're too dependent on others for, for help. And as soon as they run into a little bit of adversity or a little bit of trouble, you know, they're right away they stop and they're, they need someone to hold their hand. And I feel like, uh, you know, that's what, every day that goes by, that's an, even, that's an even bigger problem. And the people that are going to be successful have to depend on themselves and have to count and rely on themselves and be able to learn on their own, uh, to be able to problem solve on their own. And not not expect the government to do it for you or not expect you know even even your teachers and even the the current system to get you there because they just won't you need to I, I try and reinforce this with my kids all the time and it's uh you know you need to be independent you need to problem solve yourself and you need to to handle these things on your own because sooner or later you will have to 
How many kids do you have? I have two boys. Two boys, yeah. How great is it that their father wrote this book? Holy <laughs> shit, man. Awesome. That's just incredible. And you know what's interesting to me about this podcast specifically in the business that we do is I feel that if you're a real estate investor, and I know we're going to talk about Bitcoin in a second too, and you identify with some of these things, it's almost like you've self-identified to me that you're somebody I want to hang out with. <laughs> that was brutal. But I'm like, oh, okay, if you've gone down that rabbit hole of like real estate investing and the Bank of Canada and the Central Bank and, you yeah. know, trying to front run some of this stuff. And now you're onto this whole Bitcoin thing. And yeah. I know people are like, Tom, would you stop talking about Bitcoin? But I'm like, it matters. Yes. The reason I can't stop talking about it is it matters. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's an easy way for me to say, oh, yeah, like I automatically like you right away. Let's just chat about some shit. And whether that's right or wrong, like it's, just, it's, it's yeah. worked out that way. Yeah. There's a, there's a big... Bitcoin conference in Miami at the beginning of June. Um, I immediately bought tickets when it launched. I have no idea we're getting because, you know, two week quarantine. And I heard they increased the fines if you come back to Canada now from 850 to like I heard 3000 or $3,300. Yeah. And I want to take my whole family. So now I'm adding up all these fines. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's great. So you land back in Canada <laughs> and you have to pay like, what is it, like fifty, fourteen thousand $14,000 in fines or I have to go yeah. to some hotel. And Could be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it probably is worth it, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, it's like there's a group out there that is like self-identifying yeah. right now. And it's really weird because the group isn't tied to any specific country. No. It's all just people who have the same way of thinking. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're saying, I'm out here. I just, I just finished interviewing a guy, Daniel Prince, from the UK, who's I was just mentioning, digital nomad, traveling all around the world and stuff. And, you know, we get along because he's thinking the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's mm -hmm. weird how things are changing. I'm less identifying. This sounds brutal as a Canadian, like someone like, oh, Canadian, I'm more identifying with people who have the same kind of thinking and philosophy of life, mm -hmm. which is weird, right? Because it's always been like, oh, you're Canadian, I'm Canadian. Now I find it's like, oh, you think that way? I think that way. Let's chat. That's cool. <laughs> you, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Which is, which is different. Yeah. And if they're a Leafs fan, then even better. You know what I mean? So. Well, I don't teach my kids everything. I, I, I let them pick their own sports teams. But yeah. oh, Good. Oh, well, there's hope. There's, there's hope. So, John Michael, your your story, uh, I don't know if, how much you want to share, but you, you, you've started your own business and then we passed, we crossed paths when you got into real estate. Did that come from owning your own business and just wanting to diversify a little bit? Or how did, how did that start? Uh, so I... I'm setting you up to talk about your business or not talk That's about okay. your business. You're, it's, you're open. So Superior Memorials that I own in Kitchener is a fourth generation business. So, and I bought that from my dad in 2002 and uh, grew it from there for, you know, the last 20 years. And then I got into real estate. <clears throat> Actually, when Dave read that book, like the Income for ten, Life book, Income for Life book, yeah. he told me about that 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I literally printed it and like hole punched it because it was a download. No way. Yeah, I remember. And then, and because I remember skipping over and like in the middle or the end, there was all those examples that you had of it. So I didn't print all that stuff. I just printed the meat of it and hole punched it and put it in a binder. And I think I ended up sharing it. And yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. So well, you're then I read it right away. Michael. Okay, got it. So I think I knew that and have forgotten. Okay. Well, I read things, I get excited and I jump in. So I think I joined you guys a month after that. So that's like, a, 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 so we're talking a decade ago. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, wow. I got your butcher knife. Thank you. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. For everyone listening, anyone who's worked with Rockstar for 10 years, we sent out knives in the mail, which I never <laughs> think is a great thing. But these big, huge knives we sent away where you engraved your name in the knife yeah. and saying thank you for working together for 10 yeah. years. But after we came up with the idea and then we had about 
50 of these knives or even 100 of these knives here we thought this is insane like what we're mailing out all these knives in the mail here like i'm like hopefully no one like notices what we're it's doing fantastic here. It, by the way yeah okay cool thank you i'm glad you enjoyed but uh okay so that's where that started cool and yeah. then you met us and you met mike desormo on the team here yeah so when i started with you guys that's who you set me up with so i've been working with mike ever since who's awesome and uh which has also introduced me to some other people like steve dengate and partnered up with Steve. So, um, no, started, I, I bought a few properties before I was with you guys, but then obviously being with you guys took it to another level, learning about rentones and, um, the whole learning curve with you guys period has been fantastic. So I read a lot of books before I joined you guys, but I think 90% of the books I've read since have come from you probably. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And I think that's just, I think it's easier to share information now than it was when we first started, but that's ideally what we're trying to do. Like, Hey, here's a book that's impacted us and we'll share the book and maybe it'll impact you as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so you've accumulated a bunch of real estate. How do we get to the point you're running your business and you've grown this business? Um, how do we get to the point where you start thinking about Bitcoin? Where does this come into your life? Because you have a bunch of real estate. And, oh, well, by the way, did you, you're looking at some property right now. We don't have to talk about specifics, but has it been, you haven't been able to pick up that property just yet, right? This is more like a yeah. vacation kind of Yeah, just lifestyle. land up north, and, uh, but we haven't got it yet. We're still working on it. But. Yeah, are you still working on it because you're losing out to other offers on land up north? Yeah, in a single day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is just straight land, undeveloped land. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. you're losing out to multiple offers. Yeah. How far north of Toronto, like, are we talking two hours, three yeah, hours? Not far. Yeah, An hour and a half, two hours. Not yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so you're seeing multiple offers on land. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, couple in, couple cases we have, yeah. 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 And I, yeah. And I'm seeing it more just through my, my own business. You are, yeah. eh? Yeah. Because well, the last case, I just they just didn't want to give it up. Got it. I think because I put an offer in so quick, they realized it was going to go for more. And they wouldn't accept my offer at full price. This is crazy. Someone mm -hmm. Mike's working with just bought some land. I think this is like five hours up north. And uh, it wasn't a huge amount of money. And they got a pretty good chunk of land. And I was asking Mike, I'm like, is there even a, like a road on this land? He's like, oh, we don't even know. They just want this land to be able to go like snowmobiling and do some stuff on their own land. That's and it. I'm like, this is cool. Yeah. When we've come to the point where you're able in your life to be able to do something like mm -hmm. that is very fortunate. And lumber apparently is going through the roof and cost. So if you have some of your own land, you can just knock down probably three trees. will pay for the whole land at this point. You know, two by fours are going yeah, for like a yeah. million dollars each at Home Depot. So a few few pieces of uh, lumber from your your lot mm -hmm. are going to do it. Okay, so you're kind of exploring all this thing. Why did you even start thinking about Bitcoin? Was this Dave's doing, your doing? Like, how does this enter the conversation? <clears throat> well, uh, Bitcoin sort of follows the path of learning about sound money. So, you know, going from owning a business, buying real estate, buying gold, then seeing how that hard money, hard asset is changing into what I believe is now going to be Bitcoin, as we've all discussed. <clears throat> and just seeing what's happening with the economy, seeing what's happening with inflation, which I don't think anybody really follows or knows about. So, that has changed from, in my mind, even from gold to Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin is the new hard asset that is scalable by time and everything as we discussed. And Yeah, it's like uh, all the characteristics that made me like gold when I map them out against Bitcoin. I'm like, shit, this thing is like better. Mm -hmm. And I almost didn't want to admit it because, you know, I've been really into gold for like mm -hmm. a decade. I'm like, God damn, this thing is like, you know, better than 
this the gold stuff that I've been kind of looking at. So uh, yeah, to- I totally agree with you. And I think the younger gen, it'll be interesting to see what your kids make of all this kind of stuff. Because- oh, my son's buying Bitcoin. Yeah. So he, yeah, wait, did he just like he? It was obvious to him, or he just this is the first introduction to hard money that he'd seen, so he didn't have to be convinced of it. What What do you think? Well, he he's very astute, and I can't believe at eighteen he's doing this. Like I was mm-hmm. not doing that at eighteen. <laughs> he's taking his entire paycheck and buying Ethereum or Bitcoin, or he's now he took a survey and made twenty dollars the other day about Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, he can do that online now too, right? Um, but he's read Amos book, you know, the Bitcoin standard. He st- I gave him that. He started with that. Now he watches every single podcast and get his hands on, including yours. Wow. At 18, he yeah. read the Bitcoin standard? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. The oh, next yeah. generation is going to dominate. Yeah. They Holy. will. They Holy. very much will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They have yeah. no fear of the technology side of it no. that I think holds back some of no. the, the older generations. He, he's talking to me about the Lightning Network. And, no. and And some of the things he's saying to me is over my head. And I'm like, okay, well, how do we do that? Just hold on. Slow down. <laughs> Teach me how to... Yeah, how yeah, can yeah. we set that up? And yeah. it, it's funny. There, there is a, a rock star member who called me, and he's, uh, you know, he's in his fifties, and he said, "Tom, I want to get some of this Bitcoin stuff. How do I do it?" And I'm like, "Hey, just you get, you know, just go on the website and make an account." And he wanted to make a business account, so there's a few more steps involved. And he's like, "Tom, mm-hmm. this is just like it's already too complicated." I'm like, "No, it's not. Just get your daughter to help you out do you, you know what i mean yeah. but a, a few weeks go by and i find out i won't mention the company name but there's a company in toronto that does this bitcoin stuff they went to his office to help him i guess they figured out that he was going to buy a fair amount yeah. and they went to his office and helped him like on a, on a on a sunday set it all up and all that kind of stuff I'm like oh my gosh okay you got it done you got it done but you're right it's like the you know, and I don't want to say someone in their 50s is old, but I guess that compared to the 18-year-old, they're older. And if you've not been exposed to this stuff, getting digital wallets and yeah. downloading this stuff. And well, I'll tell you, he's afraid of that, though. He's got, I got him the ledger, and he hasn't set it up yet. He's had it for about a month. Yeah, you should be afraid. Well, the first time you transfer money from your account, like whatever you've bought the Bitcoin, and then yeah, somebody on our team that I won't mention the name of, he transferred a, 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 a quite a sizable amount. So when we, when, if you don't know what we're talking about, when you buy Bitcoin on anywhere like bitbuy.ca or ShakePay or any of these exchanges in Canada, Coinberry, there's like a whole bunch of them. When you buy Bitcoin in Canada, you can then choose to take it off the exchange and custody it yourself. And you're not really, technically, you're not taking the Bitcoin off this exchange, it lives on the network, you're taking the keys to your Bitcoin off and you're gonna control them yourself. And when you do that for the first time, we always would test it out with like, you know, $50 or like $100. (laughs) Well, because you basically, you shit your pants. Like it leaves the exchange and then there's 30 minutes or 40 minutes where it's like nowhere until it's confirmed on, on, you know, on the the blockchain. You don't see anything. And then eventually it pops up on your device or wherever you're holding it, right? And um, so you crap your pants for that amount of time. But this person that I don't want to mention their name moves, let's just say, his first move was tens of thousands of dollars, right? And uh, he came and, uh, you know, he's in the office here. He's like, well, Tom, I, I just did it. I'm like, well, how much did you move? And he said, the dollar amount. I'm like, are you freaking insane? <laughs> so for like 30 minutes, we were just walking up and down. Now we're much more comfortable with it all, right? But for 30 minutes, we were like, oh my gosh, like yeah. doing signs of the cross. We're like, oh, please let this work. You know, yeah. Do not do that. So yeah, your son is rightful to be a little, you know, not scared of it, but you just want to know what you're doing. You're cussing, you're the bank. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. the, you know, we all make fun of the banks and I definitely make fun of the banks. Mm-hmm. But the nice thing about the banks, let's face it, is if you screw up with something, you can like reverse the transaction. 
Yeah. Here, if you screw up with something, you're the final word. There's no reversing the transaction. Mm -hmm. But I think at some point he will get to it. And I just believe that if it's for full independence, you're going to want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if there'll be a day where the banks will tell your son or, or JM, you or me or Dave, any of us, if we have to put the Bitcoin back. Because yeah. once you take it off the exchange, CRA, I don't really think, you know, how, how are they going to kind of track that as well? So I'm, I just wonder, this is something I talk about with Nick all the time. Like, are we going to wake up and then CRA is just going to say, Canadians, you have 30 days. Yeah, that's my biggest question. How are they going to tax it? What are they going to do? Because mm-hmm. they're going to tax it somehow. Yeah. So the regulations aren't really clear in Ontario right now. And I think it'll just fall right now. I think most accountants are just keeping and we're not an accountant. I'm not an accountant here, but are putting it under the commodity bucket and treating it like a gold or a type of commodity like that. And uh, it's going to be really interesting. I think by year's end, we'll have from the grapevine of people we're connected to. Mm -hmm. I think by this year end, the regulators will have their framework for what they're going to do with it. Um, And from what we're hearing they're going to use existing tax legislation here in Canada. They're just choosing which they're going to apply, which I found interesting. So it doesn't sound to me like they're coming out with like a brand new set of rules and laws. Mm-hmm. Maybe not yet. Maybe that's coming further. But right now, it just seems like they're trying to figure out where do we bucket this thing? And then the existing tax laws of that bucket will apply to it. Mm-hmm. So, but it has to be on an exchange in order to do that. So if they have to force people to take it off their ledger to put it back on an exchange. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Because like if, if somebody buys a rental property here in Canada, um, the government doesn't know that you've bought a rental property until you, you legally have to declare it in your taxes. So it's not like the government know. Like it's, the government doesn't run audits around brokerages all over Ontario and say, well, of all these transactions, which ones are income properties? Because we're taxing that we want to make sure the pers- person is right. paying their taxes properly here. That's up to you to self-report. And mm-hmm. legally, you must self-report. And there's problems if you don't. Mm-hmm. But they so, would see an income trail from that property. Only if you only if you declare it, no? Because the income is going to go into your bank account. And CRA... By the way, I'm not, I'm not talking here like to avoid de- <laughs> declaring it. I just mean <laughs> the only way CRA is going to see see it would be if they went literally through your like checking account and said, what are these monthly deposits? And yeah. if you were like, this is rent... Right, like if you're holding yeah. property personally, how how is CRA even going to know? So you have to declare it. I might be missing the obvious, mm-hmm. but like then once you declare it the first year, obviously CRA knows. And if you don't declare it the next year, they could very easily mm-hmm. be like, well, what the heck happened? You sold this. Like, where's the mm-hmm. capital gains here? Yeah. You know, you owe tax on this thing. I but guess it's the same as if you hold physical gold. Same thing if you hold. Physical they don't know what you have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same, especially if you're using cash to buy it. So, yeah, I'm just curious because if you if you take it off the exchange, how are they really going to know? Not only – so they if they audit the exchange, they're going to then know John Michael or Dave or, or myself bought it because the exchange is going to say, oh, these guys bought this. But then once it's off the exchange, it gets weird mm-hmm. because then it's global. Like it just lives on this global network and like technically – can't you just like pull it into like if I'm traveling in Croatia, can I just like get some if I needed some there? But then I guess you're going to have to declare it in Canada that like, oh, I sold some in Croatia, but I pay my taxes in Canada. Basically, governments are screwed because mm-hmm. this is going to get weird fast. Like how the heck are they going to control this? Like How the heck are they going to control it when 
John Michael Weber says, I have some Bitcoin and I'm lending it to a company in the Philippines mm -hmm. and they're paying me interest. And then that company lends it off over here to another company. Like how are they going to track where this Bitcoin is being used? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I understand that John Michael's interest payments should be declared and will be declared and you'll pay taxes. But I just feel like the movement of it is going to be very difficult. Mm -hmm. Well, didn't on that last podcast, it was uh, Michael Saylor and Ross Stevens. He talked about it going underground. So pa India and I think Russia tried to ban it. Mm -hmm. Couldn't do it. Yeah, India's trying again, I believe. Yeah, same thing in Pakistan. And, and so in Pakistan, it went underground. Yeah, Nigeria well, as well. Yeah. You know, so mm -hmm. is that what's going to happen? I, I think the countries that embrace it are just going to benefit. But yeah, you're right. It, I don't know if they can keep up with the speed of what's happening. Like these regulators seem like 20 steps behind and I'm not really making fun of them here. I almost feel for them in a weird way. I'm like, how are they going to figure this stuff out? Mm -hmm. Like if your son's talking about the lightning network and all these new developments and that we're, you know, on the lightning network, a bunch of parties can kind of, what's the right language to use? Basically lend out your Bitcoin to, to, to allow the lightning network to do some transactions on it and stuff mm -hmm. like how, who's going to monitor all that stuff? How's it going to be tracked? What happens if you get paid interest like in Bitcoin and then that Bitcoin you lend off to another party who's in another country entirely? How's that like, I don't know, this is getting, it's going to get crazy. Mm -hmm. they're, they're screwed. They're, like and the government they're, revenues are screwed, and which is going to, when they realize this, I guess that's just going to make a nasty backlash and they'll like, likely overreact. Dave, what, what do you think about all this Bitcoin stuff? You're, you're into it and where do you think we're headed? I, I agree with what you're just saying. I think and that's that's part of the design is to remove that centralization out of it, right? And remove the government control out of the money supply. That's why it's it's been built the way it was built so that we can do these transactions and we can do, individuals can do things without, anonymous, anonymously. They can do that's it without. And, and, and to be fair, I'm not talking about not paying your taxes. I want to be very clear. Of course. But I just feel like the world's moving so fast that like, honestly, I think these governments are going to be starved of a lot of revenues that are going to be happening in this world that I'm not really sure the regulations when they come out, like I just feel they're going to always be three steps behind. And, and, and it's in, yeah. in a perfect world, it should force government to be more accountable. Yeah. And be and be more efficient, which we all know they're not. Uh, and in a perfect world when they don't have control of the money and have the printing press in their back pocket, uh, they, they suddenly have to move into the new medium of exchange like the rest of us have. It's going to force government to shrink and become more accountable in a perfect world. I, I think you're probably on the right track, though, that there's going to be more of a violent backlash from them. At least, initially. In the, at least in the beginning. But you can see some forms of government. Like when you see that mayor of Miami... What's his name? Uh, oh, man. I, oh, his name's escaping me right now. But have you guys been tracking the mayor of Miami, who's very pro-crypto, put the Bitcoin white paper on the, uh, the city of Miami's website and is tracking hedge funds that are moving there, is saying they're going to have regulations that are very pro-crypto and pro-development mm -hmm. of this world? I almost feel like there's going to be two types of government reactions. There's going to be a government reaction that overreacts. And by, by overreacting, they're going to chase investment away from that jurisdiction and starve themselves. Like, I feel like gov some mm -hmm. governments are going to starve themselves yeah. by trying to be smart. They're actually going to have the reverse effect. 
And there's going to be some jurisdictions like I'll pick on Miami right now. Um, I think Estonia is very pro crypto um, as a country, Miami as a city. Like, I feel like we're going to see like these mm -hmm. pockets that, that, that pop up and say, hey, we're on board with this stuff. And then you're going to they're going to provide services and be competitive. They're actually going to be competitively looking for people like maybe our children who are educated in this stuff and have some of this stuff and can choose where they want to move. It's a weird world ahead. Mm -hmm. The first ones to embrace it, I think, are going to are going to be better off and come up further ahead in terms of of institutions and governments and and, and bodies like that. I wonder so what we're like. What, what, yeah, the ramifications of this are huge because what are we what are we missing if they if if, if tax revenues loss in some jurisdictions. So the quality of life for some people is going to change because there is a segment of the population who is not participating in this and they depend on government services. That's why it's a bit of a rocky road ahead. Mm -hmm. And it's why I want so many people to know about this as early as they can and knowing that you don't have to buy a full Bitcoin. You could buy $10 of Bitcoin, $50, whatever it is. But I do feel like that makes for a rocky road, but maybe a better outcome overall, mm -hmm. right? Well, if you're looking at a, a global... Uh, you know, reserve currency transition, which hasn't happened in a hundred years. Yeah, it's going to be a rocky road. I don't think there's any way to get around that. We can hope that it goes smoothly and that it's you know adopted in in the proper fashion. But I think yeah, there's that we're in for it. We just happen to be that generation that's going to live through it. And I think on the other side of that, there'll be there'll be major changes. It'll be a different world. Damn, I feel like we're getting now serious about this. Discussion. But you know what's interesting is that when you hear people like from all different backgrounds, like you hear Greg Foss and Greg Foss traded bonds for 32 years and he's literally in here pounding the table. You know, it's a rounding error. Like that's his yeah. line, right? It's a rounding error. <laughs> Buy some Bitcoin. And in his analysis, it's a rounding error because it should be about 150000 or whatever his latest analysis is to be prof proper insurance against the default of sovereign credit. So in his mind, it should be a minimum of 150000 and it'll go much higher. But just to cover that, it should be $150,000 a coin, mm -hmm. right? And then you hear technologists, like I would call Jeff Booth, somebody who's in the technology industry, also saying it's the life raft. And then you hear somebody who has a PhD in economics, like Seyfedina Moose, who wrote the Bitcoin standard, saying, hey, wait a second here. This thing looks legitimate. So you have all these people from like totally di different walks. You have Raul Powell, real, you know, who's one of the founders of Real Vision, and has a hedge fund background, also irresponsibly long in his Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So you have people from all different, that's what fascinates me. I'm like, wait a second here. Mm -hmm. This is attracting some of the brightest minds that I've ever come across. And they're all unanimously saying, to different levels maybe, but check this stuff out. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what has made me very bullish on this stuff. Definitely. You know, I, one of those guys, I don't know who said it, but they said, unlike gold, this was created as a hard asset like it was meant to be a scalable tradable form of currency or you know uh, not unlike fiat and unlike gold so that's the difference between gold and bitcoin this was created on purpose to be used this way and gold wasn't I almost feel like this is going to sound like i'm definitely being hyperbolic but i, de I definitely feel like this is huge <laughs> because if we can fix the money system to me it fixes a lot of problems that are in the world right now like 
I like reading about history, and I think that's why Saifedean's book was so impactful mm-hmm. to me because it took us through the history of money. Like it wasn't like through a finance lens of money; it was more through the history of <clears throat> coinage and gold and silver. And when you look at that era of Florence and Italy, I feel like it re- really pulled Europe out of the Dark Ages because they were able to come to a unified unit of account in this coinage of gold. Then, then Venice looked at and they copied the the Florence the florin into the Venetian ducat, I think that's the name of it. And immediately the economies could grow because you could trust the counterparty and trade and feel like you're getting value for value there. Mm-hmm. We're using the same currency and, and that kind of thing. And that really pulled Italy out of the dark ages, pulled Europe out of the dark ages. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're at that moment again. And, and by the way, in that time, state didn't control the money. Like gold was not controlled by the state because the state couldn't just mint or print new new gold, gold. Yeah. right? There was banking that came out of it. And then you could argue the Medici family there in Florence and stuff, they had banking, but they didn't control it. Mm-hmm. And they, if they wanted to go to Dave or John Michael for more money, they had to tax you. And then you had to be sold on this idea because if you didn't like what they were telling you, you didn't have to vote for them or didn't have to support them or you could revolt and fight them, right? Whereas now when money and state is merged together, it doesn't matter really what the politicians say during the election process. Once they're in power, they can just do anything they want with the money, and it affects all of us through inflation in different ways. Yeah. Whereas I feel now we're coming back to a time with Bitcoin where it's the separation of money and state, and it could be very beneficial for for all of us. Anyway, we can move on for we can move on for this topic, but it's just fascinating to me to see what goes on for the next ten yeah. years. Well, I think it's like you described earlier with your parents and how they that that time value in their labor. I think that can come back around full circle again, where savings matter if you're saving it in, in the proper currency that's not eroding away right and then if then you know that's kind of the premise of my book where you you don't want to be trading your time for dollars but trading your time for a currency that is inflating or excuse me is growing in value uh, means savings is now important again and it's, it's it changes the outlook for everybody right? yeah and it's an, that's a good way to say it because I just want people to think about this instead of the dollar losing value, and then everything else in the economy around you going up in price, including good assets maybe going up in price the fastest, I just want to see if we can flip it. Whereas the, the currency could be, maybe the money could be going up in value and everything around the money could be going down in value yeah. in money terms. Right. Like I just want a reversal of yeah. what we have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, tar- it's kind of mind blowing, which is why when your son talks about deflation, it's like, holy crap, he's talking about deflation. Most people can't get their minds around inflation. But if we just flip the system to what we have now, that's it. Instead of the money losing value and everything else going up in price, how about the money goes up in value and everything else goes down in price? I just want the opposite yeah. of what we have yep. now. And I feel like that future could be really interesting and possibly very, um, uh, you know, not, not productive very not, and not profitable, but very um, abundant mm-hmm. for everybody. If our if our if our labor and our time is stored in something that goes up in value, yes, right. How are you guys thinking about in real estate in this world then? So, do you think real estate in this world? What how, what when you're talking to Canadians, what do you think about real estate? And you, you can say anything you want. <laughs> That's an excellent question. Right now, uh, we've talked about this a little bit on the way here. Uh, you know, the demand is incredible right now, as I'm sure you know. Mm. Uh, I don't think that's going to change it. I, I really don't. I still think that, that real estate holds value. I still think it's important. There's a limited quantity of real estate. Uh, and I still think 
Uh, unfortunately, that you know the way the monetary policy is run, that it's manipulating, or it's, it's affecting real estate prices, and they're going to keep climbing. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, unfortunately. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's still a valuable asset. It's so important. Well, people uh, need a place to live, right? And as you say, the immigration in Ontario is massive, one of the biggest in North America, right? Mm-hmm. So people need a place to live. It's yeah. yeah, so I agree with you guys. There, yeah. there's a, it's that perfect storm right now where rates are so low. Uh, like you said, the immigration rate is still very high, and, and it has that ripple effect right from the GTA all the way out to where, to where I live. Even the little small villages have their house, housing prices are still climbing and multiple offers and all that kind of stuff because it's that ripple effect out to find affordable property. You know what's going to be interesting is that over the next 10 years, if some new money does come to fruition like Bitcoin and it really takes hold, if a single property that went up in value from like $250,000 to a million dollars, some of that increase in price was because the monetization of the asset, meaning that people didn't know what to do with their money, so they bought hard assets instead. And that drove some percentage of that increase, let's face it, right? I wonder if Bitcoin pulls some of the monetization out of fine art, out of Rolexes, out of real mm-hmm. estate, and pulls it from here. Does real estate then maybe, maybe it doesn't really go down in price, but maybe over time it doesn't go up in whatever units we're measuring mm-hmm. it in. And mm-hmm. I don't want to say dollars, or, yeah, but it doesn't go up quite as quickly because you have this alternate, mm-hmm. alternate store of value. You could be like, okay, I'll have some real estate because it's a cash flow machine, like it's mm-hmm. generating income and there's a flow of cash here and I can have mm-hmm. some of my assets, uh, some of my savings well, over here, but maybe some of that gets pulled over into Bitcoin mm-hmm. because Bitcoin is a proper store of value. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. going to be fascinating to see play out. Well, very few people buy real estate because they don't realize they need to own an asset right and and those people that do they might realize well now i'm still keeping my value with bitcoin so it might might not need as many assets are still a good thing to have no estate's still a good thing to have but now they're not losing their fiat dollar to deflation because if they own bitcoin it's more yeah. stable it's going to be interesting to see this play out and it's a delicate subject because if somebody's just getting into this i don't want them to hear this and say oh i shouldn't buy an income property because I'm like, oh, no, I still think you need this mix of mm-hmm. assets in your mm-hmm. life. But mm-hmm. then once you understand Bitcoin a little bit, you're like, mm, well, there's a lot to check out here mm-hmm. and you should really yeah. pay attention. Yeah. You know? So we're at this weird dynamic in time right now. Yeah. Um, we still want to build equity, even if it's with a bank, <laughs> yeah. even if it's through a property with a bank. Right. Yeah. But maybe in the future, that's not with the bank as your one of your guests, uh, Darren Mitchell. Yeah, that's right. Be the bank. Yeah, yeah. Darren Mitchell. We're going to actually bring him on the podcast. That that was just released to Rockstar Inner Circle members. But yeah, we're going to bring him on the podcast in a couple months to okay. talk about insurance yeah. policies and how to leverage insurance. But his now, ideas on Be the Bank, that'll become possible, I think, with Bitcoin. Ag- agreed. And that's why I think your son's going to eventually custody himself because there's a certain sovereignty that you feel from that. You're like, holy shit, <laughs> I got this stuff. And you know what? Screw you. <laughs> And I mean that in the best possible light. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not some like rebel here. I just mean it's just it's a good feeling, right? Yeah. So yeah, interesting times ahead. Uh, Do got, you, in terms of lending money, lending Bitcoin, have you looked into that? Have you? Yeah. So we had Maurizio from Ledin.io, which is a Toronto-based company that will take your Bitcoin. They'll give you six percent, I think, on the first two Bitcoin, and then after that, the interest rate goes down a little bit. 
or you can buy USDC, which is like a US dollar stable coin, and they give you 12.5%. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you can't see this if you're listening to this, but when I said 12.5%, I just put my like serious face on like, holy shit, it's 12.5%, <laughs> right? So I couldn't help myself. I had to I had to try this because I'm like, I just want to be able to tell people I'm earning 12.5%. So I quickly went out when I discovered this and I bought some US uh, uh, DC, which I didn't even know how to buy. I went out and figured out how to buy it. I deposited it at Ledin. And I'm not even up my end of my first 30 days. I can see the interest being accumulated, but hasn't mm-hmm. been deposited to my account yet. So after 30 days, when I see it to be deposited, I'm just going to walk around and tell people, you're not, you're earning 12.5% on your, <laughs> on your savings. I can't believe you're not earning. But you know what I haven't done yet is I have not moved my Bitcoin over yet. Because there's just part of me that's like, wait a second, I just got out of the whole system. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, a part of Bitcoin was like freeing myself from the system. I'm like, I can't yet... Bring myself, but I have a couple of friends who've deposited lead in. It's been a good experience and they're very happy. Yeah. And, and, you know, multiple people have actually told, we've heard nothing but great stuff. Yeah. But there's just so part you, of me. You purchase it with cash flow, like fiat? Not, uh, not your, not your Bitcoin. Uh, the US uh, yeah. DC. Oh yeah, with fiat. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I didn't give up my Bitcoin. <laughs> no, 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 no. I found more well, dollars in the corner somewhere and I used that to buy some USDC. That, that leads to another question. Like, isn't it like 70% of people are not giving up their Bitcoin? Like it's just not moving. It's not moving. Yeah, yeah. Either Glassnode runs a great a bunch of great uh, reports and Willy Woo on Twitter. I'm sure you guys follow Willy Woo on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Willy Woo puts out some great charts and yeah, more and more of it's coming off the exchanges like everyone's just freaking hoarding this stuff yeah no one's uh no one's leaving less and less people are leaving it on the exchanges even yeah. so uh it's it, it, the price movements in this stuff if at the end of this year because i know we've all joked off the recording where we thought the price would be right i think as we're recording it's like 58 or fifty nine thousand us mm-hmm. um at the end of this year if it's uh, anywhere some of these predict you know predicted predictions are it's just going to be bananas yeah you know, yeah. because uh, some of the predictions, I think Plan B has the whole his whole stock to flow model, and he's like, "Well, it should be in the range of two hundred eighty-eight thousand." Yeah. And you look at this stuff, and uh, oh, is that what it is? Canadian? So it's seventy-three thousand eight hundred Canadian right now. Holy shit! Um, stop. Let's buy some Bitcoin. We're gonna stop the recording here, but. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. It'll be the best sales tool for Bitcoin because as the price keeps going up, people will keep talking about it. My biggest message for Canadians or anyone listening to this is just, I want everyone to know you can just buy $50, $100, $20 of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't have to like, mm-hmm. you know, go into this in a big way. And that's a nice area that it's going to differentiate from real estate too because you can get in in small quantities and you can you can stack stats, right? You can... As yeah, totally. to having to qualify oh, for a mortgage. Yeah. Or. The world head's freaky because have you guys, do you guys know about Addy out West? That company, um, Addy, uh, I believe Jeff Booth is either the chairman or involved with him as well. But we've had Stephen Jager on here. Um, he's one of the co-founders. And basically, they're buying property and they're capping the max investment out at 1500 bucks. So you can invest anywhere from a dollar to $1,500. And they're buying things like a Starbucks location, a commercial real estate or residential real estate. Mm-hmm. They're going in as a limited partner, taking a piece of, of the ownership of that. And then they're offering it to people who want to get into real estate investments at a dollar. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like the next 10 years, because right now it has been hard, especially Dave, if you're working with people who want to buy like an income property, you need a down payment, you need the money from somewhere to do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in the next little while, there's going to be a lot of new ways to get into stuff that's going to democratize things where anyone around the world can probably get a dollar to get into the real estate market, mm-hmm. right? And then what the heck does that do? And do it on a blockchain. 
do it. Yeah, when that's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told those guys, I'm like, I have a lot of good ideas for what your business should go to. And they're like, oh, Tom, don't worry. We're full of good ideas ourselves. We don't need your good ideas. They're great guys, by the way. Addy's great. They're, they're amazing. So, yeah, freaky world, right? Yeah. Um, Dave, anything? So the book, It's Time, uh, Beginner's Guide to Freedom, you can get it on Amazon, I Correct. assume. Amazon, yeah. Yeah, so uh, if you want to check that out, It's Time. We'll link to it into the show notes. Um, anything after writing the book that you... Uh, wish you put in the book that you didn't or you reflect back on the process anything about the book at all you because you got a lot in here you even have the bitcoin standard in the book yeah so it's current yeah. and, and it's funny because i just kind of finished it and and went through the publishing process right around when i took interest in bitcoin so i'm not as kind of pro bitcoin in the book as i as i am now uh so if i could change anything i would definitely uh, go back and kind of rewrite that part of it but uh yeah, because it all happened to us in the last year. Yeah. It was all like, like I was joking with Nick. What, are we still March? Yeah, we're still March as we're recording this. Last March 30th as we're recording this. Still, we were starting to read about it, but we had not even bought any a year ago. And it's funny, one year ago. And now the yeah. three of us are all here going like, Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think I exchanged some emails yeah. with you about a year ago to to find a good source to start buying it and trying to find a way that I didn't even know how to buy it. You did. Time, and so. at the time yeah. I hadn't bought any yeah. and I mm -hmm. put you in touch with somebody else here at Rockstar. Like, I think this person, he's been <laughs> yeah. I think basically I, th I think in my mind, I'm like, well, he's been bothering me about this for like two years. Like <laughs> he should know something about it. Yeah. And then it was yeah. a few weeks later where I was actually thinking about you because then we went down like hard and we bought some and we got involved. I'm like, Oh, I should probably tell Dave that we're like really into this right now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Okay. So that's what you do. Add a little yeah. bit, but it's a great, yeah, it's 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 a great book on many levels. To me personally, just the whole idea about freedom and then what the herd is doing and what you should be doing, that part alone makes it for any young person or adult, anyone. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's really amazing. So nice Thank job you. on the book. Thank man. you. Yeah. It, it was it was written more t toward my, my kids, um, but I've had already some some friends that are my age that have, have taken a lot away from it. And and uh, so I think it's it's important for a lot for any age to read, yeah. really. Yeah, it's not just for kids. No, there's, there's a lot of people who are not investing much at all. Yeah. And it's helpful for them. And too. we all need reminders. Like I find I know some of the stuff that you've written about, but you get busy. Yeah. And then yeah. you read it here like, oh, shit. I, I can't believe how many people, adults have come to me and said, I had no idea about inflation. I had no idea. And that shocks me. That really blows me away that that's still a big unknown up there. And, and, and you know, we talk about that here at Rockstar all the time. But at the same time, I can have some sympathy for that because you're busy. You got kids. Yeah. You might hate your job. You're going there. You're working every day trying to make the money. You're getting taxed. You can pay your rent, mortgage, try to have a little bit of money left over. And you're, you don't have time to like, Dave, listen, I don't really have time to talk to you about inflation. Mm -hmm. Let's play our men's league hockey game, get some wings <laughs> and never bring inflation up to me or I will never talk to you again. Do you know I, mean? I just want to relax. Yeah. Can you yeah. stop it yeah. with your inflation nonsense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, it surprises me as well. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And then John Michael, for you, like, are you just with your kids and your business? I guess you have. So, I feel like you always have a lot going on, but I feel like you're also very humble and, and and somewhat private about what you have going on. Do you have any thoughts about where your 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 life will take you next? Will you keep growing your business? Do you buy more real estate? Do you start? Do you write a book? What what's what's in store for you? Well, I'll probably grow my business. I'll probably keep buying real estate. I'll probably keep buying Bitcoin. That just, when I think I'm settled in and happy and comfortable, then two months go by and I get the itch again. So that's kind of <laughs> like you. You just keep reading. You just keep learning. You just keep growing, right? So, yes, probably I will. But, uh, no, it's I, I'm following the same path that I think we're all yeah, you're on a following. Good journey. So. 
Yeah, and the fact that your son's already into this stuff is like mind-blowing to me. So mm -hmm. uh, listen, I just want to thank both of you guys because John Michael, you didn't have to come on here and talk and just share anything at all. There's no need to do that. But the reason that's really important to me is because I feel like there's other people in this area who are wondering if they can buy their first property or they can buy a bit of Bitcoin or, you know, is there a, someone out there that's growing a business the way that you are, that's local and that, mm -hmm. you know, it, it can serve as some form of motivation. So thank you for coming on here, man. I really appreciate it. To me, it's these chats that are the most meaningful because it's all of us here locally. It's not yeah. like somebody in you know another part of the world that like oh they look they got everything figured out and you know we're trying to mimic mm -hmm. what they're doing here there's people right here yeah. doing cool shit and mm -hmm. you're one of those people so thank you well thank you for having us we're yep. we learn a lot from you so thank you yeah appreciate it cool and dave yeah thank you for coming on thanks for writing this book and sharing and sending it to us yep. and then doing what you're doing and talking about this stuff because I feel the fact that you're out there at, after, uh, you know, was it a hockey game with your buddy? Or no, I forget. How did you meet with you, that, that friend of yours who was having a beer and it was a soccer thing or something? I can't remember if we were recording where you, sat, you said you sat down with a dad Oh, the topic of Bitcoin came <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, it was a hockey dad. Yeah, yeah a hockey dad. Yeah. So all of us out there having these discussions, even if you hate the topic, the fact that you're out there having these discussions, getting people to think mm -hmm. is really exciting for me. That's the kind of geek I am. I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> yeah. there's someone else out there having these discussions. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So Agreed. Uh, yeah, thanks for the book and thanks for everything you're doing. Man. Yeah. Well, thank you. You guys put out a lot of great content and I've been following it for a long time and I appreciate it too. Yeah, so thanks for that. Appreciate it guys. Thank you. Thank you. Hey everyone. So hopefully you enjoyed that chat, 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 chat. I can speak, I promise, that chat with John Michael Weber and Dave Muhlenstein. Remember the book, It's Time, A Beginner's Guide to Freedom is available on Amazon. You can find John Michael Weber at his business, superiormemorials.com. And uh, Dave's email address, let me just hand that out one more time. Let me make sure, give me one second, is Dave... Dave Muhlenstein at gmail.com. Dave Muhlenstein at gmail.com. If you can't remember it, can't spell it, can't find it, just email us at the office here at Rockstar and we will make sure we get that David's email address over to you. Both great guys love sitting down and having these kinds of chats. And listen, if you're listening to this and you want some real estate information for yourself, you can find that at www.rockstarinnercircle.com. That's www.rockstarinnercircle.com. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life your terms.